Welcome to Lead by Example, where we talk to business leaders about their passions in life, at work, and how their journey can help others. I'm Jason Manning, and I've been interviewing celebrities, musicians, and other interesting people for the past 20 plus years, and look forward to bringing you an inside look at how business leaders are inspired to do amazing things and lead by example. Each of them has an interesting story to tell, and they just might have a lot in common with you. So join us on this journey to find out what inspires these people to do what they do and where that passion comes from. I'll be joined by my co-host, Matt Berry. He's founder of Conversion Marketing, an avid storyteller who appreciates learning from fellow business leaders. This podcast is brought to you by Conversion Marketing, bringing decades of experience in storytelling and marketing to B2B and tech companies who also lead by example. Hey, Matt, how are you? Good, Jason. How are you? I am excellent. We have someone that we have been really excited to speak with. Uh, Why don't you tell us about our latest guest? Yeah, Diane Del Rosso is someone that I had the pleasure of working with for a number of years at IBM, um, and she is still there and always someone that I looked up to and learned a lot from. Um, Just an incredible leader, great vision, um, great way person in terms of how she pulls her team together and gets the best out of them. And what makes Diane just such an incredible person is on top of being an IBM executive, she's also uh, a senior member of the Army and currently in Kuwait. So I think we're going to have a lot to learn from Diane from both of her experiences in IBM and the Army. Here it is. Well, Matt, why don't why don't you ask the first question that we ask on our podcast? Sure. Well, uh, Diane, thank you for joining us here. It's been a couple of years since we've spoken, and we worked together at IBM, which was an awesome experience. And, um, yeah, the podcast here is called Lead by Example, so we always like starting with the question of, you know, how do you think about yourself leading by example? So it's a great question, and that I am so excited to even be on the phone with you um, because there were times when you and I were, you know, like yin and yang. We couldn't uh, be separated from the things that we were doing and the hilarity sometimes behind it. So, yep. uh, honestly, thank you for reaching out to, to invite me to, to such a an esteemed honor to be able to, to even talk with you all. Awesome. So in terms of answering your question with regard to what do I do to lead by example, you know, to be honest, in some ways, some of this goes back to my childhood and the way that I was raised by the golden rule, you know, treat everybody how you want to be treated. And so I know that sounds really simple, but in today's world, when you break that apart and you put so many things in front of it that we're all facing now, especially with COVID, um, you know, it it, uh, it really uh, makes you take a step back and analyze even what those words mean and really help each of us communicate better because typically it's through either a phone call, uh, a video teleconference. You're not typically face-to-face with people and being able to pick up exactly where you left off um, in a day-to-day kind of relationship. Yep. Yep. No, that's awesome. And um, I know certainly from our time together at IBM, you know, both I think when we first met, we're managers and worked our way up to directors and kept on going. You know, you certainly – stood out to me as someone who 
always had those great leadership qualities and someone I certainly enjoyed working with, but also learned a lot from. Um, so I, I've been gone from IBM for three years, but I'd love to hear, you know, what you've been up to there, your current role and, and uh, you know, how things are going. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great question because I think when you and I um, started to take different trails inside IBM because it's such a wonderful company that you get to have so many different opportunities, I ended up kind of jumping out of marketing and I went into mergers and acquisitions. And I did that as the basically the acquisition integration executive for a company called Silverpop that we acquired and then did that for two hour, two years in Atlanta Uh, wonderful company. I had the absolute pleasure of being able to be uh, coached, taught, and mentored by the CEO of that company, Bill Nussie. Absolutely, hands down, one of the greatest experiences that I've ever had. So personal and such a great leader in his own right. Uh, And then I was able to work uh, and was selected for promotion, but also got to work with the weather company. And that was, I was the integration executive for that side of our B2B business and bringing that into IBM. And then I did, got to do that for about a year and a half. And then I was selected to join Kareem's team in our Watson IoT division. Uh, and interestingly enough, right before I was leaving to come and step away uh, into a different role, um, you know, uh, unexpectedly a little bit on the Army side of my, my uh, job, uh, not, not related to IBM, but in the Army Reserve. But before I did that, the, the businesses that we were running inside IOT division inside IBM and another division uh, that was part of our supply chain merged. And so those two businesses became one and to Kareem's organization got to, to basically double um, incredible opportunities abound there uh, for my directors as well as my managers, um, but also for that organization at large and what we're going to be able to offer our clients. Um, just, you know, dynamic opportunities that come when you least expect them, but uh, certainly welcomed and really a lot of fun still. That's awesome. And yeah, you hit the nail on the head with, you know, a lot of people say to me, wow, you were with IBM for 15 years. Didn't you get bored or want to do something different? But, you know, the fact is with IBM, you know, you, you could change your career. You, uh, you could learn a ton from different leaders and different parts of the business. And that's, part of what makes the company so great and, you know, for people like yourself, myself, that spent a, a good amount of time there, you really do get a chance to, like, reinvent yourself. And, you know, you, by the time I left IBM, I felt like I had so many different experiences doing different things, working with different types of businesses. Um, I also got a brief chance to work with the weather company um, from the communications side before I left. Um, and I know that was a really exciting acquisition. So, no, that's awesome. Um, now, you touched a little bit on the other part of your life um, in the Army. Could you just tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, your your role there and kind of how long you've been at that? I can. So I've, uh, I was active duty Army, so that's, you know, that's when you're full-time uh, for a little over 11 years. And I absolutely loved it. Um, I made a decision when uh, my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer to leave active duty, but I stayed in the reserve. Uh, and I know a lot of people might think that that's kind of one weekend a month, but it is definitely a far cry from that because uh, you, you do something sometimes every single day depending on the role that you're in. 
And the role that I am in is a, um, I am the commander of an expeditionary sustainment command as a one-star general, brigadier general. Wow. And it's in L.A. <laughs> and I live in, like, the Washington, D.C. area. So it's really <laughs> been a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, you talk about situational leadership, uh, and I, I'm a big, big advocate of that because you have to look at context. You have to look at people and personalities and what motivates people. Um, and it doesn't apply to everybody uh, equally or the same. And so in the role as a Brigadier General, my personality might be a little bit um, different than perhaps at IBM, but I, I have tried to stay balanced in my approach to, to both uh, because IBM has taught me so much that I feel really does apply. And at the same time, I've learned so much on the military side that I – I believe is ab- absolutely applicable to IBM. So I juxtapose the two, not only in my head, but also in life and in the experiences that I have as well as leadership. Yeah, that's it, that's so awesome. And I mean, I just when I found out at IBM that you know you were part of the army. I think at the time you were going off um, for some short term assignment. It was just like, wow, you know, Diane is great at what she does here at IBM, and on top of it, you know, she's got this whole other set of responsibilities and. Um, you know, so thank you for your service. And then, you know, I think it's just awesome, you know, in terms of thinking about leadership, um, you know, you've got so much going for you and that's awesome. Um, Jason, I've been hijacking it a bit here, no, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by both sides of your career because they're, they're both really, they are, sound very intense to the average person, like myself speaking, uh, <laughs> you, you know, what, what are some of the what's the biggest thing that you learned uh, about yourself? I want to ask this because I'm always fascinated with people like yourself that are in in a higher level in the military because you're overseeing a lot of people uh, or a lot of people report to you. What you know, how how do you do it? I mean, it seems because we're talking we're not you don't have 10 people reporting to you. You have. Can you sort of give us the gist of what you do and and how just how it works a little bit of people wise sure so in terms of the people that uh report to me traditionally in my la role as a commander i had 6200 soldiers three brigades um and one of which is 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 quite large um and it's predominantly a logistics mission so everything from when you think about traditional supply chain and distribution in making sure that we get whatever the commodity is to where it is needed. Now, I should probably preface that by saying I am currently had to stay. I took a, a year away from IBM because I was called up to active duty and deployed my headquarters to Kuwait. Um, and I am so currently in Arifjan, Camp Arifjan, Kuwait. Uh, we have significantly more numbers than, than that that are a part of our command at large, uh, both from the brigades that report into us, but those that we also serve. And that, that's everything from military uh, as well as multinational coalition forces and contractors, as well as Department of the Army civilians, um, both in uh, Kuwait as well as Iraq, uh, as well as Saudi Arabia, um, in Egypt, as well as Afghanistan and several other countries. But um, those are the largest efforts in terms of operations that we're, we're providing support to. 
from a logistics footprint perspective. That's that's absolutely amazing. <laughs> that's I mean, that, it is. No, it's just it's what I love. I mean, and Matt, jump in if you want to. But I love how you can you can bounce uh, talking about IBM and then talking about your active military uh, stat, you know, status that you're currently in an active duty, uh, you know, and, and digging, like I'm digging on top here, but what, you know, what is it like being in, in Kuwait and how is the food? Because I think that's something that everybody wants to know about. I know it's not totally serious, but it's an honest question. So it's a great question to be frank. It's really hot here. (laughs) It was 112 today, which is actually a mild day for here at this time. Um, when you add the humidity, it's gotten up to like the real feel that the weather company tells you. It's 135, where you're looking like you can just swim across the road instead of just walking across the road. It can feel, um, you know, a high adventure from that perspective. But uh, as far as, um, you know, the mission here and, and what we're doing here and the ability to, to, to speak to it, I mean, honestly, I feel like a lot of what I learned at IBM has even prepared me for that, as well as the Army. Um, just from a leadership perspective and kind of understanding as a leader, you need to be present, you need to be engaged, yeah. you need to know the details of your business and do what you say that you're going to do, follow through um, and ensure you know what you're measuring, why you're measuring it, and then how you're measuring it. Because it's one thing to have a vision. Um, and if you have one, you've got to make sure you articulate it and that you articulated it so that people actually understand it at different echelons within the, the, the business or the company or the army. Um, and then you have to figure out how to operationalize it. So sometimes people can think strategically, articulate themselves strategically, but you try to ask them to operationalize something and then execute it. And sometimes they struggle. That's the great thing about teams because hopefully somebody on the team can do the strategic part. Somebody on the team can do the operationalizing of that. And then maybe some other people on the team can also help execute it. Um, But then on that measurement side, knowing what it is that you want to know about, what are you curious about? And then we all know that what gets rewarded gets done. So that measurement element is is so key and so vital. uh, And following up on what you want to actually be checked, or some people say inspected, um, so that it is on target and it, it actually achieves the outcomes that you, you're even trying to seek or to align in terms of behavior behind that. That's incre- like that's incredible. What you just said about leadership is incredible, right? I mean, Matt, don't you agree? I mean, uh, you know, you being a leader and just listening to how you uh, speak and how well-versed you are in this, I have to ask the question too. Who, what's, who's, what's the best leadership piece of advice that has ever been given to you? And, and who are, who are some leaders that you look up to? Wow. That's a tough one. I'll be honest. You know, I, I will say a lot of the military sides of leadership are also ones, not only that I've worked for people that I've worked for, but also um, books that I've read. So I'll, I'll start with a book and then I'll get to a leader. Um, one of the best books I've ever read on leadership is actually a book called Eisenhower that's by Carlo Deste. And it, it really does bring out leadership traits and elements from so many different leaders as a part of it. It is, a, a, it is not an undertaking you take lightly in trying to read that book because it's quite thick and quite dense, but it is 
thrilling, invigorating. You'll learn a great deal about leadership. Um, when I think about leaders that I have worked for, that I have looked up to, it's not always the ones, and in fact, most times, it isn't the ones that um, want me to say yes. They bring me in because they know I'm not going to say yes. It's because they know that I, am, I have a different point of view and perhaps a different and unique uh, element of um, whether it's being female, whether it's being you know, somebody who's been in the military before, but that also um, looks to the people. Um, if you put the people in the center, meaning the people you work for, or if it's your customers, put them in the center and then work your way out from their view out, you'll better understand not only the strengths of your people, but the, what it is that your customer needs. Um, and I think those are the best pieces of advice that I've ever received from people that I've worked for and had great deals of, you know, a great deal of respect for is always put your people who work for you in the center, make sure you take care of them. You listen to them. Um, even if it's tough love, um, but, uh, that you'll learn a lot about them, but you'll also understand how to motivate them to do things that they didn't even know that they could accomplish. That must, that must be rewarding for you when you see those people cross the finish line, when you challenge them too. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and in reverse, when I get to when I get to, when they challenge me with some tough love, and I need to figure ahead across the finish line too, it works both ways. Matt, did you have another question? Or um, I think uh, I would love to get into some of the fun stuff, like uh, what music you like. Yeah, we always love to shift gears a little bit and get away from uh, you know the heavy duty leadership element and uh, find out a little bit more about you. So tell us, what kind of music do you like? What bands? So I have a huge. Uh, repertoire of music. I, I I will listen to everything from Metallica. One of my favorite songs is Sandman, and, mm-hmm. and then Red Hot Chili Peppers um, to Luciana Pavarotti because I grew up in so many different places. Um, Italy being one of them, and my heritage is Italian, and my grandparents were from from Italy. So listening to Luciano Pavarotti in the in the family was always something that would it would you'd hear throughout the house. Um, yeah. But then. You know, I can then listen to The Weeknd or Drake or Nelly or, um, yep. you know, Ed Sheeran or Dua Lipa or Bruno Mars or The yeah. Struts, you know, stuff from the, yeah. the 80s. <laughs> Very yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm a, I'm a big Howard Stern fan and Metallica just last week were, they were on the show, um, you know, both for an interview and then they, they played a little bit, but uh, those guys are just still going strong. Um they're they're awesome, and they they also made for a great interview. I'm so jealous. I'm serious. Yeah. They are such a great band. I saw them on, um, you know, I want to say it was a Jimmy Fallon show, and you would not imagine how very uh, interactive and funny and almost appealing to little kids that they were. You wouldn't imagine that, and it was just terrific. Yep, I agree. The, the James Hetfield could be the nicest front man in music, even though it doesn't seem like it when he's up on stage. It's true. <laughs> like they, and they're, and they're the one band that hasn't done the Super Bowl halftime show. Like they need to do it. I yeah. agree. I totally agree. I can see it. Yeah. Like when they, Let's if they started, yeah. Like if they came out and did Sandman and puppets and you know, whatever else. Yes. Do you, are you, you're a sport. 
I was going to say, so when the, when COVID, when we find a vaccine for COVID and everyone's COVID free, let's let's get that rolling. We got to get that rolling. I mean, Metallica. I've seen Metallica ten or twelve times in my life, and every time, oh yeah, and every time I see them, and we were reminded this week what Matt just said that they were on they were on Howard Stern because they're promoting a a drive-in show that they're doing. But, you know, you forget this week is the 29th anniversary of the Black Album coming out. And you forget they toured that album for five or six years because it never went away. Like, people still love Sandman. They still play it every show. (laughs) Now I feel really old. (laughs) No, we're all the same. We're all the same. We're all in the same. uh, We're all in the same age group. Are, are, yeah. are, are you getting your fill on sports over there, too? Like, are you able to, you know, dial into ESPN or watch ball or, or do any of that? Yes. Yes, we usually get a delay. So, like, when, um, you know, when there's baseball playing, I usually get it the next morning. Right, because of the time changes and stuff. How are you enjoying watching baseball in a COVID world? I have to say, I at first it was a little weird. But then I started to see... What, the why behind it, and I watched an interview, and the woman's name, I believe, was wrong on the last name potentially, um, but she was she's basically the the basically kind of the VP of visitor experience at Dodger Stadium, and she has been at Fenway, and she's been at the Orioles, and now she's in LA, and she was explaining what she does for fan experience and the lengths to which she she created the environment with the cutouts. And then, you know, one of the other um, ball clubs had an entire section of cutouts for dogs from the local ASPCA yes. that I thought was so right on and so apropos that I just, I started to understand and then the psychology that they were pumping in crowd noises and music I thought it was actually fun. They were creating a fun experience for those of us that were watching on TV. Now, being there in person, if you're up in the you know stands as a lonely person that got to be there, um, it might not be as fun. But it, it was. It did change the fan experience watching it from TV. Yeah, it. And you know, and I saw those dogs that you're talking about in the stands, and it, it, it's weird because it tricks you too when you're watching a game. When you see those cutouts, you just assume that they're your brain just assumes that they're people, and for a second your brain's <laughs> tricked. But it is there's something calming. There, like you know, working in radio, there's something calming about hearing the voices of the guys that you know, like Rick Monday calling the Dodger games with Charlie Steiner, or Howie Rose in New York with the Mets, who Matt's a big fan of. That sort of you know, you stop thinking about everything else that's happening in the world and it's calming it's just it's isn't it, it is. like sports it draws you in yes it totally draws you in and you're obviously in a part of the world too where soccer's really big too right i would say yes um although i will also say it was tough at first because when we first got here nothing was on no no sports and then you know that's that was the way that it was all over the world and now you're starting to see more soccer being played I, I just watched L.A. City playing, and I don't even remember who they were playing now, but I, I didn't get to watch most of the game, in fact, hardly at all. We, we do work quite a bit over here, but uh, I did catch parts of it, and it it felt more European because I grew up with European yeah, soccer, yeah. and I still watch Bayern Leverkusen yeah. and some of our Italian um, uh, teams in northern Italy, in Milan. But, 
it, it was uh, entertaining nonetheless. Again, you know, a diversion from the regular uh, day of uh, of work, but also, um, you know, of what's going on in the world and, and hopefully, you know, providing some good sport uh, and good sportsmanship. No, for sure. Diane, uh, the other thing you were talking about is you were talking about the weather earlier that the real feel is 135. You were, you were yes. 135 Fahrenheit. So, like, what time of the day are you going for a run? Yeah. <laughs> so, believe it or not, we have to we have to get out running between 4:45 and about 5:15. Yeah. Because the weather is just so intense after that that it's it's pretty brutal. Yeah, I can't ima- I can't even imagine like how, like when you when you come back to the states it must be a shock to the system. Well, I I don't know that if I've ever said this my mom would laugh her head off and so would my dad if he were still alive, but I'm looking forward to winter in Washington yeah. DC, you know, sometime sometime in February about, you know, when uh, when we're able to get back to um, you know, back to the states. Um, and I'm hoping that it snows a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other final questions, Matt? I don't think so. This has been awesome. You know, Diane, we really appreciate you taking the time, um, especially from the other side of the world. It's been great just hearing your voice and catching up. And uh, when you are back in the States, I would love to catch up uh, again and, and hear how things went. But this has been really great. Well, Matt, I honestly thank you so much. It's it's wonderful to hear your voice. It's like a you know a shot in the arm and a good one um, to be able to even connect you know all these miles. But uh, I will absolutely reach out and and hopefully uh, you know God willing that uh, COVID uh, goes by us very quickly, we can connect again, whether that's in New York City or California, depending on which coast or city we're in. All right, that sounds great. Thank you, Diane, for your service, and thanks for your time today. Well, thank you very much for supporting us. Honestly, it's been a pleasure. It's been my pleasure. So thank you all very, very much. Go listen to some Metallica. (laughs) Be safe. I'm on it. (laughs) Okay, see you later. (laughs) Take care. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Matt. All righty. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lead by Example. We hope you learned something new about our guest and about yourself. Please click subscribe to access past and future episodes. And remember, don't be a follower. Lead by example.